Ever have a parenting question that feels so embarrassing you dare not speak it out loud? Well, that's where I come in. I'm Vanessa Quigley, and this is the Mom Force brought to you by Chatbooks. This is your safe space to get those pressing parenting questions answered by experts. And as a mother of seven, I have loads of opinions too. If you like what you hear, feel free to leave us a review because we love reading them. And subscribe and share with your friends. Welcome to the Mom Force. Hello, hello, you guys. Today is a special episode as we are wrapping up our first season of the Mom Force podcast. Can you believe it? It has been a wild ride here for me and my sisters and our little podcast team this past year. And it has been so fun. And we've learned a ton also. If you've been around from the beginning, you may have noticed that we have changed things a bit along the way. First of all, we used to set a 15-minute timer for our intro so that we could keep every episode under 20 minutes. I was determined to respect your time because I know it is precious, but it turns out you guys wanted more. We actually got a lot of feedback about this. And so we ditched the timer, which was actually a huge relief to me. That thing was so stressful. And we've invited some special guests to come join the party. Now, at first, it was just me with one of my four sisters taking turns here, dishing out all of our tips and tricks. And we'd also reminisce a bit about how our mom raised the 12 of us. You see, I have four sisters and then I have seven brothers too. (laughs) But believe it or not, even with our amazing mother's example and all of our years of mothering our collective 30 children, my sisters and I do not have all the answers. In fact, as I'd scroll through all the posts and questions on our Mom Force Facebook group, I realized that we need some expert help. And so since last August, we've been inviting special guests to come help us answer some of our toughest questions. And I'm telling you, we've laughed, we've cried, we've had some cathartic healing moments, and most importantly, we've grown as wives, mothers, and friends. And so without further ado, to celebrate this big milestone for the podcast, and in no particular order... Actually, it's in chronological order. Just let me present to you my top 10 takeaways from season one. Takeaway number one, creativity is key for some of the mundane tasks of motherhood. For example, hiring babysitters. As the oldest of 12, I had a lot of experience with babysitting, and I've also had a lot of experience finding and hiring babysitters for my seven kids. But my sister Leah, who also has seven kids and was my co-host of both babysitting episodes, we had to do two because she had too many tips for just one episode. Anyway, she had some seriously creative, out-of-the-box ideas for babysitters, like the early date and the late date. I love the late date. The late date is one that we use all the time because it can be really challenging to get kids to bed. And this works really, really well. This I like to call the class of babysitter that you need for a late date is sort of a warm body. This is when you've already done the grunt work. Okay, you fed your kids, you got them to bed. We normally do an earlier bedtime on a late date. You get your kids to bed. I will go through, pull up my babysitters, cherry pick who I want to offer this late date warm body opportunity to. And then I send a group text and I say, Hey, we are trying to get to the movies tonight at 8 PM. I need somebody at the house. All the kids will be in bed. I will pay you $20. You can bring a friend and I'll buy any flavor of ice cream that you want. And I am not joking when I say that I have never had someone not pick me up on it. 
Isn't that genius? I just love her concept of a warm body babysitter. If you've already done all of the work putting the kids to bed, why not hire a, quote, warm body, aka a competent, responsible person who can just sit on the couch and watch a movie so that you can get out of the house for a while? Ah, genius. All right. Takeaway number two, keep an eye on what your kids are learning from their older siblings. Okay, this comes from our kid hygiene episode, and I have to start by saying I might have said something about our family not being very good at hand washing, but we have mended our ways. And for the record, we are now very diligent and determined hand washers. But the thing that I remember most about that episode is that when we were talking about the appropriate age for girls to start shaving their legs, my sister Shelly admitted that she started way younger than she should have, and she kind of blames me. I started shaving when I was in third grade. Well, and you epilated, <laughs> you epilated me. I did? You took an epilady to my legs. <laughs> well, okay, out of all of the sisters, Shelly, you were the hairiest. I was. My boyfriend broke up with me in third grade because I had a mustache. Chris oh, Evanson, if you're out there and you hear me, you broke my heart. <laughs> But in our family, I'm, yeah. what, 10 years, 12 years older, years than, older you. than me. Yep. So by the time I started learning the importance of shaving and plucking your eyebrows, and I'm looking at you guys like, oh, my. You disgusting mm -hmm. Work needs to be done. You took me into mom and dad's bathroom, epilated my legs. I believe Kara was in there with me. So that would make Kara in first grade. Oh, my. This is torture. And then you waxed my eyebrows. I did? Yes, you did. And I was grateful for that because I was a very hairy person. Oh, you did have that unibrow. I and mean, it was adorable. But... And the very dark. I have a different skin tone than everyone else. And along with the skin tone comes dark hair. So thank you for doing that. I became obsessed and I plucked my eyebrows to smithereens, one hair thick, when I was, in, when I was a teenager. So Aww. that was where it all started. But I also remember you got a bag of neon-colored disposable razors when I was in first grade and I took them in your closet and filled every single one of them with my little dark hairs <laughs> and you found me in my, in your closet, ripped me out, sent me on my way. And I didn't, I was scared of shaving after that. So I think that the next like hair removal was the epiladies yeah. when you like brought me yeah, in. I was into that epilady. You know why? Because I tried shaving on my own when I was, mm -hmm. you know, younger than I probably should. And I cut the crud out of my ankle so bad a that to mess. this day, it still hurts me on a cold oh day. gosh, I remember you telling me that. It does. I'm nerve damage. But anyway, just we brought up shaving because it might be something that your younger kids might want to think about. An epilady. <laughs> Do any of you guys have one of those? Do you remember those? I loved that. I wonder if they still sell them. Anyway, the takeaway here for me is that kids are going to be curious about razors, like my daughter Lakin was when she was three and tried shaving her face the morning of my brother's wedding and has a giant Band-Aid all over her face for the pictures. So keep those razors out of reach until the time is right. Okay, ready for number three? First, we got to get a little more serious. One of the most important things that we can do as parents is help our children know who they are and where they came from. Kids need anchors and family connections. And according to one of our first guests on the podcast, developmental psychologist, Dr. Trisha Weeks, stories and conversations around family photos play a huge role in developing that identity. And according to her research, those joint reminiscing conversations around printed photos also increase self-esteem and lowers anxiety and behavioral issues and actually strengthens families. It's kind of crazy that something so simple could produce such profound results, but I am a believer and I absolutely loved what she said here and I can totally relate. 
When I look around at what is happening in our world today and what's happening with children, I feel like this is maybe one of the most important things you could do in your family. Wow. I, I just, families are busy and parents are busy and we get pulled so many different ways. And I don't know what happens in everybody else's home, but I do know in my home, life comes fast. And and I am often most worried about the book report that hasn't been done and what we're going to have for dinner and all of those things. And having an invitation to come to a space where I put that aside and just enjoy a conversation with my child is probably the most important thing I could do. One of the most important things we can do as parents is to slow down, sit down, and just talk with our children. Whether you're looking at family photos or rehashing the day, it's those connecting conversations that will anchor our kids to us and strengthen our families. All right, now on to number four. Recently, my friend's husband passed away, and I desperately wanted to say or do something that would help or comfort her. And I found myself thinking back to my interview with Kenan Sanders. Kenan is head of our Chapbook social media customer support and is an expert at dealing with the occasional grumpy customer. Kenan also suffered a heartbreaking loss five years ago when her daughter Layton passed away. And in this episode, she shared the lessons she learned, the healing she experienced, and the way others were able to help her through her darkest moments. The best thing I think you can do is just leave something on the porch and walk away. Even if it's just a kind note, like we're thinking of you, if we can help with absolutely anything, here's my phone number. People would come over and walk my dog. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about my dog. <laughs> like, yeah. thank you. <laughs> and You know, just leave a card that says something meaningful and don't expect a response. Would you give different advice if this friend was a, a close friend? I think for a close friend, the best advice you can do is sit down and just be talked at because sometimes people just need that sounding board and they need to vent and help your friend drop off food and do all that and come and stay and take their kids and do their laundry and give them some help, but give them space, understanding, and just be an ear. Yes. Sometimes just listening is the best thing we can do when a friend is grieving. Whether you offer a listening ear over the phone or while you're helping them do their laundry or out on a walk. I am so grateful for Kenan's advice on how to help others in their darkest moments, which leads me to takeaway number five. Often when people are grieving or struggling, our instincts are to step up and help, right? I know our family wanted to do something to help when Corona started shutting the world down. And so we packaged sack lunches for the local homeless shelter and we made masks for the first responders. And it did feel good to feel like we were doing something to help. And my friend, Kristen Andrus, she knows that feeling very well and has created a culture of service in her family as they step out of their comfort zones regularly to dig in and help others. And I love this bit from our interview. One thing is is going and doing the service, getting your hands dirty. I, I have this thing that we talk about in my family where the Andresses pick up garbage. It's easy to be at the face paint station and it's easy to decorate pumpkins when you're helping the less fortunate kids or refugee children. But who stays at the end and picks up garbage? The Andresses do. And that's what I think builds a character, builds 
the lack of entitlement when even these kids that are at these events aren't picking up garbage, but we're going to stay and pick up garbage. And guess what? We're going to come back and we're going to do it again. What a good mama. The best thing we can do to teach our kids gratitude for the blessings in their lives is to look outward to serve others again and again. So good. Okay. Time for takeaway number six. I was absolutely thrilled when I found out that I would get to interview psychologist and New York Times bestselling author, Tina Bryson, about her latest book, The Power of Showing Up. I loved her other books and was excited to hear what showing up for your kids really looks like. The most important thing we can do, the best predictor for how well a kid turns out on everything we measure them on is that they are securely attached to at least one person. The way we provide secure attachment to a child is to help them survive and feel safe. So when they're in distress, they come to us and we show up for them. And the way Dan and I like to talk about that is through the four S's. Fundamentally, it's really about helping kids feel safe, seen, soothed, and then over time, not perfectly, but predictably enough, having those experiences of feeling safe, seen, and soothed can lead to secure, that fourth S, which isn't really like I feel secure about myself, but rather that the brain has wired to securely know that if I have a need, someone's going to see it and respond to it and show up for me. Well, there you go. Showing up doesn't mean literally showing up to every baseball game, choir concert, every single thing. Hallelujah. Because with seven kids, it's physically impossible for me to do that. But I can help my kids feel safe, seen, and soothed so that they can truly feel secure. Speaking of security, let me segue into takeaway number seven. In our early married life, Nate and I lived very frugally and counted every penny as I clipped coupons and shopped sales and recorded it all in Quicken. And if I'm being honest, it wasn't very fun. Talking about finances with my husband might have been my least favorite thing to do. But you know who actually makes budgeting look fun? Family finance and frugal living expert, Jordan Page. If you struggle like I do, you've got to hear this. Don't budget just to say, oh, I should be better at budgeting. It'll last like two weeks, three weeks, maybe. You'll lose the motivation. You need to find your why as a couple and individually both. But you need to decide like, okay, why are we going to do this? Go on a date. Talk about your life. Talk about what you want. Make some really fun goals. Talk about where do you want to be in 10 years, 20 years, five years? What is it you want to work on? And suddenly as you're talking, that's when you find that motivation, not just to budget just because or to spend less just because, but it's because once we pay off our credit cards, then we can finally save up for that new car that we need or then we can afford to redo the kitchen. She almost makes it sound romantic. <laughs> Maybe next time Dayton and I talk finances, I need to light a candle and have some soft music playing because it's okay to have a little fun while you're at it and even treat yourself. I would like to stand and prove to the world that it is possible to be a spender and to love rewarding yourself and to still be able to do it responsibly. I feel like if you don't reward yourself along the way, if you aren't spending money on fun things that are fulfilling to you, what is the point? You're just going to die with a bunch of money in your bank account and no experiences to show for it. So for me, it's like a reward in feast or famine is to save up and go on a really fun date, to go out to dinner and have someone feed me and clean up after me is so motivating. So budgeting and money management doesn't have to be all drudgery. You just have to find what motivates you. And well, 
I know what motivates my husband. So, <laughs> okay, moving on. Takeaway number eight. One of the most talked about topics on our MomForce Facebook group is discipline. And probably because it's one of the worst parts of being a parent. But I had a big aha moment during my chat with positive parenting coach, Ralphie Jacobs. She teaches how to bring joy back into parenting by sharing simple principles on her popular Instagram account, Simply On Purpose. And I swear the things I have learned from her have forever changed the way I view discipline. The word discipline, it doesn't mean punishment. I think that we have such an emotional, negative emotional feeling whenever we say discipline, but it actually means to teach. So disciplining a child doesn't look like yelling. It doesn't look like giving punishments. It doesn't look like domineering or being a strict ruler. It means to teach. And so if you are yelling, you're not teaching. Their brain is not even in the thinking mode, in the thinking part of the brain. Think to yourself, why? Why, why is this happening? And how can I help? Like, what can I do better? How can I teach better? Or how can I set them up for success better so that they aren't stressed? Do they need better sleep? Or am I trying to grocery shop during lunch, uh, during nap time? Are they hungry? Are they overwhelmed with their schedule, with the expectations that I give them, or with the environment that they're in right now? Yes, our kids are going to do naughty things and act up, and we might get mad about it, but responding with curiosity instead of reacting out of frustration does make all the difference. I can testify of that. And to the fact that when I'm tired, everything feels harder, which leads me to takeaway number nine. I've always been a good sleeper. Well, except when I had nursing babies or when I was pregnant or when I started going through menopause. Okay, let me take that back. I know what it feels like to desperately want to fall asleep and not be able to. And I know so many of you do too. So we dedicated a whole month of podcast episodes to tackling the ins and outs of sleep for every age and stage from newborn to postmenopausal. Yep, that's me. Sleep is still sometimes elusive. So when I told sleep specialist Christine Lawler that sometimes I lie in bed getting more and more anxious that I can't fall asleep, this is what she said. So really the solution for that is just get out of bed if you're not sleeping and don't freak out about it because we do this association that really is unproductive where we start to tell ourselves, I don't sleep well, I have sleep issues. The bed is the place where I lie awake at night, planning my to-do list, stressing. The bed is the place where I'm not sleeping and I want to. And so the harder we try to go to sleep and the more that we have that chatter in our minds that says, go to sleep, but I can't and I'm going to be so stressed tomorrow and I'm going to be so grumpy and I'm da -da 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 -da. the more that we do that, the more that we reinforce this new pattern and association that the bed is the place where I lie awake at night and stress instead of the bed is the place where I sleep. And then she went on to say, don't lie down and go to bed until you're pretty sure you're going to fall asleep within 15 to 30 minutes. And that has been so helpful for me. That and not drinking Diet Coke after 3 p.m., of course. All right, guys, are you ready for takeaway number 10? I know I'm not alone when I say that so far, 2020 has been one of the toughest years ever. And doesn't it feel like there's no end in sight? Well, take comfort in what I learned while chatting with clinical psychologist and multiple New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Lisa Damore. Stress occurs 
anytime we're adapting to new circumstances. It's just part of being human to feel stress. Anytime things change, we experience that as stressful. This is a particularly interesting point at this moment under COVID-19 pandemic conditions, because so much of the stress that people are experiencing is just adapting to a new way of doing everything all at once. And and I, I think that's a point we can't underline enough. But stress is a normal and healthy function. It's part of being human and it happens when we grow. Just like stress is a normal and healthy function in the eyes of psychologists, um, so is anxiety. Anxiety is a normal and healthy emotion that is designed to keep us safe. Anxiety is good, healthy, protective, and expectable. And, And I think that's a message that feels really valuable right now because I'm hearing a lot of people saying, I have anxiety which, well, of course you do. Like that means your mental health is working exactly as it should. Stress and anxiety are normal. We are experiencing normal human emotions and we are going to be okay, especially if we reach out to each other because together we can get through anything. Guys, we did it. Thank you so much for hanging in there with me for that little walk down memory lane. And thank you for being here each week. I hope you know that you are an important part of the mom force and a big thank you to all the people who work to make this podcast even possible. Sarah, Ellie, Allison, our marketing team at Chatbooks, my daughter Lakin, who wrote and recorded our fabulous intro and outro music. And of course, a huge shout out to my co-host sissies, Erica, Leah, Shelly, and Kara, and all of our fabulous guests, including my own mother and my mother-in-law and my husband. If you haven't listened to their episodes yet, you have got to go back and listen to them. They are so good. And now for the next couple of months, I'm going to get to work prepping for the launch of season two, which will be in September after Labor Day. So that means in the next eight weeks or so, there will be no new episodes, but here are a couple of things that you can do in the meantime. First of all, make sure you are subscribed and then go back and listen to any episodes that you missed. And let me know what you think. I'm seriously so curious. What are your takeaways? And I'd super duper love it if you'd write a review because we're going to start reading those on air next season. And if we read yours, you're going to win a prize. I'd also love to have you join our Mom Force Facebook group and follow me on Instagram at Vanessa Quigley, where I'll keep you updated on the podcast and keep sharing little glimpses of what my mom life looks like. All right. May the Mom Force be with you. Okay, that was dumb. But seriously, we are here for you and together we are stronger. See you next season.